0: Please.
1: Uh, I think touched on this one I had it here I just wanted to uh, hold it up the news Yeah, news, absolutely. yeah that must have been uh, I'm guessing one that you really enjoyed doing
0: I did I enjoyed all of them and that was kind of uh, that was one of those records that was just um, okay the record button's on let's go okay we're done next it wasn't <laughs> a situation where you go and do an overdub it was nothing of, of the sort It was just what it was. So yeah, it was absolutely great to do, you know, with his direction, of course, where he wanted to go or what kind of sounds that he wanted. And and that reminds me of something else It was really great for me to work with him because he he was one of the people who started me off using certain effects and a lot of effects. I always kind of played with effects but not the specific effects that he liked and that he liked to hear on his music and, you know, on fours and as accents. He was very particular in the sounds like distortion and um, a lot of other staples that I absolutely needed to have with me on record and um, in shows or even in rehearsal for playing with him. You know, that was just his sound. So he wanted that for for the bass sound, you know.
1: What do you think was maybe one of the most amazing things you ever saw him do musically during your time with him?
0: That's hard to say um, because there was just um, so many. He was a great uh, multi-instrumentalist. He played everything well. Um, It was just accumulation of a lot of things, you know, and it's it's so sad to see him not here anymore because he was really the last of the Mohicans in terms of an all-around entertainer, somebody who dances, somebody who sings, somebody who plays every instrument for real. Um, somebody who knows how to command a crowd, somebody who knows how to put his own production together, somebody who knows how to do his own management, somebody who knows what he wants with lighting, somebody who knows what he wants to see focally in terms of a look, in terms of what people are wearing, and runs a business. Um... You know, people could say he a, was a combination of like James Brown and Jimi Hendrix and, and and everybody else that was bad at the time. They were definitely great influences um, for him in terms of showmanship and musicianship. You know, probably Isley, everybody. I mean, he, he just loved all of that music. Uh, it, it's hard to say one thing because he was always just astonishing, you know. And he had that same quality, you know, to me that Jeff Beck has. Sometimes Jeff Beck will play something that just makes me turn my head around. Just it has so much emotion and so much feel in it. Sometimes I, I'll say to Jeff, you know, man, you must have been somebody who was really abused or had a really horrible life in another life for you to be able to play like that. Because, you know, you got you to gotta get that. <laughs> that it... When you get those players, when that feel just comes through like that, it's it's unworldly, you know, it's like magical. And with Jeff, sometimes I have that same thing that I need to concentrate sometimes in those shows instead of listening to him too much because I can get carried away listening to him because he's just so amazing. Prince is obviously the same way in a lot of ways, whether it's a dance move that he does or whether it's, it's killing the guitar Or, you know, some nights the way he would sing a door or something and just, it would be so moving. You know, he had that same quality that, that it'll trick you if you're not, if you're not careful. You know, you gotta concentrate because you get carried away and maybe lose your part or something, lose your place. You know, so um, I can't really say one thing. He just was great at everything, great at everything.
1: And as far as Jeff Beck goes, um, I've been a fan of his since I was a kid, and I heard Blow by Blow. Um, so, you know, he is an extremely unique player. I mean, the 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 voicings that he gets out of his guitar, not only the speed and agility as a player, but just the the sounds he brings out. Um, un- incredible player, and he's still so good. <laughs>
0: He's incredible. He just keeps getting better and doesn't use a guitar pick. I mean, it's just all in his hands. He is absolutely, absolutely incredible. And we just, uh, you know, we had, uh, we were supposed to be on tour this year starting in May for a three month tour with his new record that we, you know, did. He did some collaborations with, uh, with uh, Johnny Depp on it, who's singing. And Johnny, we toured uh, with Johnny in September of last year also. Just, getting these tunes tight you know live and, and having some fun playing it and um they just released um isolation i think uh about six days ago it's a song uh, it's a john lennon song isolation that uh jeff and johnny uh did their own version of it. johnny singing and it's uh, absolutely incredible jeff is is killing it and uh, I'm playing bass on it. Vinny Cagliuta is, is playing the drums. And it's just, it's killing. Everybody's loving it. And, and they decided to put it. Actually, it was done before this coronavirus thing. But it's just so real and so right now, the isolation that everybody's going through. So um, it's, it's going really well. But um, he's an incredible, he's an incredible player at the age. And he just keeps getting better. He's a, he's a phenomenon, definitely. And you know what? I gotta say, Scott, I've been really blessed too to have been able to play with two probably of the best guitar players in the world, you know, that I've had the opportunity to play with. And both of them have rubbed off of me. Jeff's style has absolutely rubbed off of me in different ways, also. I mean, it's the same kind of thing I tell my students. It doesn't really matter what kind of style you, you should, you know, learn as many styles as you can because it really, it just makes you over. Overall, a better player with your feel, no matter what you do, because it's really all about your heart and you know where you're playing and are you sincere? Is you, is your playing sincere and and is you, is your groove there? Not just from a bass player's standpoint, but from a soloing standpoint too. And these guys are amazing. And I guess what I'm saying in short is that their styles have also rubbed off on me too. You know, Prince in the funk way, one of the best funk players guitar players I've ever played with definitely just ridiculously funky and Jeff is just incredible in in what he he does the sounds that he gets the feel the emotion that he plays with um it it just it just rubs off on you you know it's just like doing anything over and over again it it can't you can't help but have that happen so I'm I'm very blessed and very happy to have been um in that place to be able to uh, sponge, <laughs> be a sponge and just learn, you know, but, yeah. from them and continue to, you know.
1: Did, uh, with Jeff, did you uh, come after Tal, uh, Tal Wakefield or? Um...
0: Well, Wilkenfeld. Yeah. Um, I came, I started with Jeff in 2010. So that was right after Tal. Yeah.
1: And how did and you- And again,
0: walked into another configuration of that band, which was you know, a great band with Vinnie Caliuta with her and with Jason Rebello, and with her and Jeff, it was a great band. So we started off right away with um, the Together in a Part Tour with uh, Eric Clapton and him. So we had Narada Michael Walden, an amazing uh, drummer and an amazing guy, amazing producer. And Jason stayed the keyboard player with me. So it was it was different. It was different for his fans too to start off with because they loved the other band. Kind of like the mirror image of, of us replacing the Diamonds and Pearls new power generation. You know, we should just go with the flow, man. You do the work, continue to do the work, you know. How,
1: how'd you meet Jeff though? How'd you how that contact happen?
0: Actually, that was. Uh, different. Narada, Michael Walden actually recommended me for that. And I had never played with Narada before, so um, I, you know, still loving him, not just for that, but he's a great guy But and he's an amazing player, but still love Narada for that. It was, it was really, it was really great and very gracious of him to hook me up with that. So that's how it happened.
1: And you had a couple of albums on your own in the 2000s, uh, Intellipop and Artist 2 Telepop, sort of a mellower, jazzy kind of record, and uh, RS2, more varied and, and a little funkier. Um, yeah. What do you remember about those projects and were you happy with the way they came out and everything else?
0: Absolutely, I still listen to them, you know, today. Um, and I love working with the, the team I work with, the players, I did a lot of that. Well, both those records were cut in Atlanta. I love the, the musicians in Atlanta. Um, the co-producer that I worked with lives in Atlanta, Joey Somerville. Um, so it was, it was great. Those were just, um, those were just movements for me and those were done. Ironically, they were always done when I took a break from Prince. The, The Intellipop came out in 2000 because I, we were, I took a break. So I had some time to do it. 2006 was after, uh, the Musicology Tour when he was doing something a little different with the band that he had um so that's when i put that record out so they represent great times in my life and they represent a lot of things to me because music songs always represent something to you um and i have some new stuff um that i'm getting ready to drop just thinking about how to do it in these days you know of um of downloads and you know just a different way of thinking so i'm looking at some different ways of doing that right now especially because i can't play live uh with a band outside in front of people who promote it so looking at some different ways but i'll always continue to do music like that music music is memories and it's great stuff and i always used to try to tell Prince sometimes when he would go through periods when he wouldn't want to play material anymore because maybe it represented something or there were curse words in it or it represented stuff that he didn't want to repeat or maybe he felt like he was past that period and I used to always think you know I understand everybody, everybody understands growth and where we want to go but those particular songs to your fans represent something different you know and they want to hear them because they represent a part of their past you know maybe they represent you know the first time they had they lost their virginity or maybe it's a time when they were at out something or or an event or you know on a date with somebody or or dancing with somebody or just obviously something great in their lives but that's what music is music is a healer too it's a memory we all do that I'm sure if you listen to stuff that you ever listened to Scott probably 20 or 30 years it takes you back right
1: sure Definitely, not, like nothing else can.
0: Yeah, that's just what it is. And music's a healer. And hopefully the good thing, once you know, we, get, we get back open again and America gets back working and the world gets back working again, um, we're looking forward to seeing the high demand for music again because we are healers. We are, we are mobile doctors who heal people and just take them to a place where they can have some serenity and have a good time. And I know that people are really looking forward to experiencing this again, you know,
1: as we are. Music is key in getting through something like this. I mean, you know, as you're hunkered down, you know, music can, can help you get through it like nothing
0: else. It's a healer. Definitely. Definitely.
1: Um, Well, I very much hope to hear new music. Uh, How, 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 might Rhonda Smith in the 2020 sound differently from uh, 20 years ago, do you think?
0: Uh, I'll say it's probably a little less jazzy. It's a little less smooth jazzy, that's for sure. It's more, a lot of the stuff I have is a little bit more uh, pop, pop rock with some funk in it. So it's a little less smooth jazzy for sure. A little less jazzy. Although I'm still taking some solos on this first tune that I'm going to release, there's actually a bass solo on it that, pretty sure and hopeful that uh radio will play because it's just in a genre but it's not smooth jazz though it's not smooth jazz and it's not jazz it's actually pop
1: so it should be very interesting i definitely look forward to hearing that um is there anything that you can uh remember in terms of you know your most unforgettable moment on tour whether it was with uh prince or with jeff
0: let me tell you there's so so many so many scott just uh i'd probably say my first tour probably with prince because that was my first major tour ever you know um which was probably the emancipation but i mean there was have been so many great experiences after that and and things to learn from and you know, just the friendships um, that I got um, that I still have with band members and, and things like that. Um, it's, that's kind of like when somebody asks me who's my fa- my 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 preferred bass player. I, I just there's so many. I I don't have one. You know, what's my favorite bass? There's so many. I don't I don't have one. It's just a, for me an accumulation of all the experiences, which really mean mean everything. You know.
1: Do you feel like there's much you recorded with Prince that still hasn't seen light of day?
0: Oh, definitely. Definitely. And I actually have some music myself when we were doing rehearsals uh, in 2009. We were rehearsing at uh, Center Staging. Actually, at the same time, I believe that's the same time that Michael Jackson, right before he died. Did did he die in 2009?
1: I believe it's 10. But it's right around then.
0: Yeah, I think it was two thousand and nine um, we were He was rehearsing just down a couple of doors down because we were on the outside on the on the the, the opposite side where we, I would normally rehearse with people, and we would do these rehearsals, and some of them we did in Prince's house actually that he was that he had in um, in Beverly Hills at the time. but he would have me bring my I'm looking at what this is he would have me bring my Alesis hard disk recorder to rehearsals the ones in the studio and the ones just in his house and record everything that we were doing. And he's singing on a lot of that. So a lot of that is definitely uh, unheard uh, stuff that people have not heard. And it's just live. I mean, there's different versions of everything. It's not one thing. So it's uh, really, really great. And it sounds great. And that was with myself, um, John Blackwell, uh, Rest His Soul, and uh, Hanato Neto, and just Prince, just the four of us. So I have a lot of that on hard disk, really good quality. So I don't know. I was thinking about maybe, you know, releasing a little bit of that. some, Just, you know, a song at a time, just letting people have a listen. Nothing that I'm trying to sell, but just, you know, let let people hear it, you know, when they can't download it. Maybe on Facebook or I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to get sued. <laughs> yeah, but I'm on but- it, so technically. And he knew I had it, so and he used to tell me, you know. Cut it up and after the rehearsals I would I, I would cut it up and give copies, you know, out so that we could improve some things and so that we could remember parts and, and whatever. So he was well aware and told me to do it. So I'd like to do that. I might do that soon. Put out just some snippets that people can listen to. You know?
1: wow. You're you're like taunting and teasing us now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I do have it. I've had it for a while now. It's been it's got dust on it, you know. I've had it for ten years sitting there. You know. definitely not trying to take advantage. If I was trying to do that, I would have, you know, I would have done it. Which, you know, I see some people which I find a bad taste. You know, just riding on the bandwagon. You know, trying to make money. You know, off of the man. You know, which I think is in poor taste. So yeah. mine's not for that. It's not for sale. But I think that people would enjoy listening to it because I do. I think it's really good. A lot of it's from the uh, Bria Valente um, project that he did uh with him singing it which sounds amazing mm. different arrangements a lot of a lot of good stuff on them you know definitely and the quality is really good the sound quality
1: what what do you think you brought that he really liked that moved him
0: um i think he he probably wanted to have some more females in the group so i think for that Um, I think that worked for him. I was moldable to him to a certain degree, you know, because I wasn't necessarily set in my ways. Um, And, you know, I did a lot of things that he wanted me to do, like playing a Fender jazz bass. I didn't come in there with a Fender jazz bass, not to dog Fender jazz bass, because I love Fender. They make, everybody should have a jazz bass, which I do. Um, But that was his idea, you know, he wanted, because he wanted a particular sound. He loved Larry Graham, as as I do, as everybody should, um, and loved Larry Sound, back in the day with Sly and Graham Central Station, which is a Fender jazz bass. So that's the other thing I learned from him too: that you know, not every artist for a bass player to go in. Are you going to be able to walk in with a five or a six string or a seven string, and they're going to be happy with that? You know, depending on the genre that they're playing. And what they're doing, sometimes they're, you might not even get the gig. You might not even get the audition. Because maybe that's not the amount of strings or the kind of look or the sound that they want. He was a perfect example of that. He wanted a four-string player, ideally. He didn't want five and he didn't want six-string. He wanted four-string. Primarily, I think, because he loved the sound and primarily, he would stand behind you. He used to stand behind me with the bass still strapped on me when I didn't know a song or it was something new and just play it right there with his hands behind me and just play it. I don't think he liked to play five string as much. He was a four string player, that, that was his preference. So I think for that too, it worked well for him, but I was moldable uh, and I think, uh, and he liked females, probably was open to females, but I had to be able to play. You know, He wasn't just gonna have a female just to be a female, you need to be able to play and hang with him at that time. You know, it was a lot of, a lot of music he was doing and he was at that time we delved into a lot of different styles I wasn't as aware of him you know doing as much jazzy stuff and you know if you want to call it fancy jazzy stuff that he was doing at that time I think he probably even though he's had Madhouse and some other projects most definitely but I don't I wasn't aware that he toured with Madhouse you know that they actually did tours you know. Yeah, no, maybe a
1: one-off here there, but that was about yeah. it. I
0: think. Yeah, no, we toured off one night alone. Had a lot of it in it, you know. We we toured off Musicology and 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 the the Rainbow Children and a lot of different projects that had some, not so much Musicology, mind you, but definitely the Rainbow Children, and uh, we didn't tour with News though. With some of the other uh, things that were there, but. We, we we got out there a little bit, and I think that he was able to do that because Hanato Neto was there, too. And Hanato's a great player. can play a we're... lot of different styles well. Yeah, Live at the Aladdin, too. Absolutely. That was a lot of fun, too. Great band. There again, great horn section. just Just a lot of fun. Yeah.
1: You know, as much as I hear that he was, you know, people say he was sort of, you know, controlling, and he wanted things a certain way, but I also hear that he encouraged those around him to really go for it themselves too, and that way helped push some of the players maybe to areas or further than they might have gone otherwise. Did did you feel him kind of helping to push you in certain ways to- Oh,
0: definitely definitely he would he would always be around to give tips on what uh, you know whether it's how you looked on stage or certain things that you could could do or um you know certain things to improve a solo or you know the way that you could look or the way that you played or give you licks absolutely all the way around he was always like that but he liked his players what he would always encourage people to do was if you wanted to go solo he was down with that too you know he would he would probably be more of the thinking I'd you know he kind of used to tell me you you could go solo do your record do your own stuff that's great but don't play for other people (laughs) you know you play for me but and it's kind of funny because no other artist would really tell you that that you that you worked for but on the other hand I'll tell you some things that when I first had Intellipop out not only did we go to to what He allowed me to sell it at his tours and had his merch selling my product. He never took a percentage of it from himself because he didn't want it nor need it. There would be some shows where he would actually say to the audience, hey, you know, go out and buy a record. It's, it's there. I mean, who does that? Mm. You know, people, don't, artists don't do that. They don't allow you. They don't care about your merchandise. You know, it's about them. Not that, not that, they, not that they should. You know, because they're paying you, but he was different, different kind of dude. Yeah.
1: You know, um, before we came on, we were talking a little bit about the um, Prince Tribute that aired uh, last night. It'll be a few weeks gone by the time people see this. But um, one thing I wanted to um, mention to you is that that focused only on the 80s output. And to me, the 90s and later were you know just as rich musically i think as the 80s but they don't get nearly the amount of attention and do you feel that you know some love should be given and attention to stuff that came after the 80s as well
0: oh absolutely absolutely i do um but you know i've heard from people who have been involved before in you know putting these things together sometimes and from you know, complaints and a little bit of disgruntledness from people who are, haven't been included. But you know, we, I kind of look at it in the way that there were so many people involved that it's almost impossible to put something together where everybody's going to be happy about it because there were so many bands and there was just so so many people. It's it's, it's kind of hard to do. It's kind of difficult to do, and um, and I think it's especially difficult to do if. It's being financed and paid for from a different production company, maybe you know, like the Grammys or something that really um, doesn't have any skin in the game in terms of making everybody happy who was in every band. You know what I mean? I don't think that's really important to them. No, and no disrespect to the Grammys or whatever production company put that on. I guess is what I'm saying is you know. If, if, if people are looking at, at Sheila, for instance, who was in that and thinking that she put it together, well, maybe she didn't have a choice, you know, in, or maybe whoever show who is who's ever doesn't have um, all of the choice to choose every single person that they want in. Maybe it's kind of out of their hands, you know, maybe it's in the production or the, the network's hands as to who's gonna do what, if it's more feasible um, uh, budget-wise, or whatever-wise. So there's a lot of other factors that go into it. Um, that's one thing I do know business-wise. But yeah, it'd be nice to see um, some other groups and some other uh, bands. I think I've heard some people say that uh, a bit. I'm sure that some people are missing some parts and they haven't seen there. Have, there's been a, just a tendency of seeing the, like the same groups over and over. So I can understand why people are starting to say, hey, what about these people? What about you know, that person, what about this group, what about that band, can we, you know, see them also, it would be nice to see them. So, I mean, they have a point to it, but I think there's also reasons for everything, you know, that, as, like I said, is sometimes, you know, don't look at the artists or the bands that are out there all the time and say, well, you know, why are we seeing them again, or did they do it? It, it, That's not necessarily the case. There's, there's a lot that goes into it, especially for television, you know?
1: Yeah. I think not just the uh, people, though, but also <clears throat> the work, the compositions and the albums and stuff that was done uh, from you know your time until you know, he left us. Yeah, um, yeah. There's a lot of great, great work there that do. there's just tons, as much.
0: hundreds and hundreds. I mean, how do you pick that, too? It's like, there's so much of it. you know Yeah, the, I mean, it's, it's, it's incredible how much great music? He has, and a lot of stuff that hasn't been covered for a while, actually, that are great tunes, you know? And I would love to hear stuff from his first record, you know? Some good stuff on there. I mean, yeah, definitely.
1: Were you a little surprised at the the depth of outpouring of love that came forward upon his passing, you know, and that how it's enduring like it is because... You know, I mean, he, yeah, he's my favorite, and I followed his whole career, for example. But I don't know that I anticipated that magnitude of appreciation yeah. and ongoing love that we're seeing.
0: No, I'm not surprised about it. Like I said, um, he's a different kind of he's a different kind of guy. Last of the Mohicans. Um, he, he was, and unfortunately, you know, sometimes it's one of those things where people don't realize. You know, you, you don't miss it till it's gone. You don't realize how good you had it when he was there. There's, there was no one compared to him. You know, like I said, he did everything. He sang, he danced, he played, he wrote, he produced. He there's to at that level with that kind of catalog. Who else is there? I, don't, I can't think of anybody. And Michael wow. Jackson is amazing. Amazing. The king of pop. But Michael Jackson didn't play an instrument. I don't think Michael Jackson wrote all his songs. No. I don't think Michael Jackson did all his proje- production and, and all the other things. And I mean, again, it's apples and oranges. But yeah, uh, so no, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. He was incredible. And on top of that, the innovative things that he did in the business, you know, where he started his music clubs and, you know, he manufactured his own stuff and and, and just just everything, all the ingenious things that he did. You know, it's a shame that people, some people are just starting to go, geez, you know, he was a genius or geez, that was, this was a great record, you know, but maybe that's what he was supposed to do. You know, he was definitely here for a purpose and he did it. He changed a lot of people's lives, you know.
1: Definitely. Definitely. I, you know, I I realized that he wouldn't sleep much, but I would still be amazed of all that he would accomplish, even not sleeping much. It's like, how does he find time? Like you were saying, all the things that he was tuned and dialed in on, you know, just mind boggling.
0: Well, I think what's amazing is that when somebody is that clear and that good and that focused on what they can do, in life they find they find it you know we 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 have miserable people in this world who are maybe talented at something else and maybe would like to do something else in their life but they end up spending the majority of their day doing a job that they absolutely hate you know just because of the money or whatever the situation is here we got a guy a genius who knew what his destiny was from the beginning and he made no mistake about finding it and getting his record deal at 17 years old with the stipulation that I'm producing my own stuff, I'm writing my own stuff, from the click, he was on it. He knew what he, he was going to do. He knew what his destiny was, and he knew that he was going to change lives, and he was just going to be that amazing anomaly that he is. So that alone is amazing. In in this world of distractions and injustice and all kinds of other crap, you know, And the good things that are here, too, but that you can be focused enough to find your destiny and love every minute of what you're doing and knowing that you're making a difference. That is amazing.
1: Absolutely. instead of being sad or mourning, I, I try to just be thankful, you know.
0: Same thing, very thankful, very melancholy last night. You know, it's hard to watch some of that for me because it brings obviously back a lot of memories, but I love the memories and they're never gonna leave me, but that—that that is what it is. I'll, I'll never be disconnected from him because I have a very large um, part of my past and my musical past and influence that uh, he represents for me and that he's part of, you know, so um, I love to see it in, in, parts of it just hurts you know because he's not here but I appreciate his body of work absolutely and love to see how much love everyone has for him it's a wonderful thing and very deserving
1: is there anyone else that um is sort of on your bucket list that you would like to work with or um that you'd like to do musically in the future
0: Oh, I leave everything open. I would have loved to work with Miles, for sure. Miles Davis would have been a dream come true. Like they say, the rumor has it that if you can work for Prince or you can work for Miles Davis, you can work for anybody. <laughs> Two very demanding cats, you know, who knew what they wanted and didn't take anything less. But, um, no, you know, I just, I just love observing what I have. You know, I put... I put my destiny out there. I put it in God's hands. And, you know, I always find a way to work with, get find a, a new project that is amazing and super challenging. And I just love it. I like to do my own stuff a little bit more. That's for sure. But that doesn't mean that, you know, I want to stop working with um, the great artists that um, have influenced me and who I enjoy being a part of uh, their vision also.
1: Mm-hmm. And how can people keep up with, you know, whatever you might have, coming up that they might be able to be a part of?
0: Well, they can definitely check me on IG, um, Rhonda Smith Bass. Uh, they can definitely find me on Facebook. Uh, and, I have, and I have my website, uh, rhondasmith.com. I'll, I'll be definitely putting up some stuff uh, there. And if I put up some other things where they can find it in other places, I'm going to definitely let it be known on those mediums that uh, the music is out and it's ready to go.
1: Outstanding. Rhonda, big fan, as you know, so gl- glad to be able to talk to you like this finally. And Thank, thank you keep for you your patience,
0: Scott. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, uh, I try to be persistent, you know. Yeah, you
0: were. You were definitely very persistent, son, and I appreciate that. Thank you, man. I know we've been
1: trying to get this to happen for a while. Yeah, well, thank you for doing it. Hey, back at Truth and Rhythm Headquarters, thank you for joining us on another magical ride with Truth and Rhythm. Whether you're watching or listening, as always, thank you so much for your continued interest and support. Be sure to subscribe. Go to YouTube. Go to the Funk and Stuff channel. That's where Truth and Rhythm lives and breathes and thrives. Also goodies here like TIR Quick Takes. And if you subscribe, you know what? You get the show before anyone else. It's free. If you love jazz, funk, R&B, soul, you can't miss it. Pass it along. Tell a friend. Tell family this audience is growing and it is a beautiful thing all coming together for the love of this great music. Also, if you can throw us a buck or two, we could use the support financially, keeping the lights on, keeping the servers going, all these expenses. If you can help support the program, whatever you can give, much appreciated. Go to the FunkinStuff.net website on the right-hand side of every page. You just click and you can donate through PayPal, credit card, whatever. Very easy to do and so much appreciated. And if you do a sizable donation I will mention you on the program. Also drop me a line. Email me at G at funkinstuff.net. Let me know who else you'd like to see on the show, what you enjoy about the music. Let's just kibitz and uh, talk about stuff, you know, talk music. You'll find that I respond very quickly. And I much enjoy the uh, rapport and the camaraderie and the interaction. Always remember, this is your show, The True Music Lover. So for now, that's all the time we have for this one. It's a wrap. As always, Scott Dr. GX Goldfein saying, Keep on vibrating to the rhythm of the one.